Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 430 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we got a small crew here this week. Uh, Krim traveling couldn't be here this week, but joining us is the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Good morning, Seth. New standard weekend uh, just passed, so super excited yes. to, to see what we have in store this week. I mean, that's going to be one of our big topics. So today, we want to talk kind of first impressions of March of the Machine. We've had about a week with this set out now, and it is making an impact on Standard and Pioneer and Modern. So we want to talk about that. There's also this big story about March of the Machine's aftermath leaking. And just, it is one of the wilder magic stories I've heard in a while. So we want to delve into that. We're not going to talk about the leak card. So if you're worried about that, don't worry about that. But uh, kind of the meta perspective of this whole situation involving the leak. And then there's some smaller pieces of news. There was a question to Mark Rosewater about if enough cards are being designed for 60 card formats. Some questions about Raghavan and Invoke Despair that we'll get to at the end of the cast. So that's the plan for today. March of the Machines aftermath leak insanity and then some other stuff before we get into it though a reminder that today's show is brought to you by card conduit and card conduit they are the easiest way to sell your magic cards if you ever get tired of all the hassles that go into buy listing your cards card conduit lets you skip them you don't got to do the typing and spend the time and do the work with your curated service you can send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a five percent service fee and if you want to do a little bit of work you can use their sorted service where you list and sort your cards ahead of time and pay just a 2% fee. And no matter which one you choose, you're going to get a detailed report with the results and a fast payment once the order is processed. And right now, you can even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtdgoldfish. Card Conduit, they are the easiest way to sell your magic card. So thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some magic. And let's start with probably the most important news, which is new magic cards. March of the Machines has been out for about a week now. We're seeing the first tournament results, especially from Magic Online challenges and leagues rolling out. So we want to give kind of first impressions of what this set is doing. So Richard, have you gotten to play with March of the Machines much yet? Have you have you ground any standard leagues or anything at this point? I have. I am uh, 1.5 standard leagues in, which is basically the whole weekend of playing, Seth. Uh, are are you still playing? <laughs> yeah, an hour a match. Are you? You must be playing mono white still. I assume. Oh then. yeah, baby, <laughs> mono white all the time. Um, I, I would like to say, what, what do you think of battles so far? I I think I've seen a couple battles, and the only one that anyone has ever tried to flip on me is Gobicon. and nope. it's actually quite gross. But everyone else, like even Segovia and things like that, no one attempts to flip them and. <laughs> Not a lot of battles either. The battles I've seen are pretty, pretty sparse. Yeah. So I mean, how how did Gabicon look? Are you playing Gabicon in your mono I'm white not playing, list? Are you I'm playing control? But Gabicon was disgusting, like absolutely disgusting. Uh, I saw a mono white deck where they they play like the turn one protective might thing, the 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 mother. Runes. Oh, Skrelv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skrelv. And then they they turn to uh, play a, like a, a threat, like a, a three one or a three two. And then they turn three Gobicon, and either they protect their thing and like attack you, or they play removal and attack you. And then the the Luminarch Aspirant part of Gobicon is actually very <laughs> like oppressive, and they they can back it up with like Thalia as an anointed peacekeeper. So it, it's actually a nightmare for my deck. Uh, so I thought it was actually gross. And then Elspeth. Like, kind of just goes over the top of everything as well. Uh, yeah. Gobicon has impressed me. All the other 
battles, I feel the opponent would have done better if they put any other card in their deck. So I, I've seen the your favorite set, the the um, Mill Three Return of Permanent. Oh, I love seems, that. Yeah, seems absolute trash. Uh, <laughs> oh no. I've, I've no. seen. Oh, I've actually seen the explosive vegetation one in a mono green ramp deck with Pelucranos. Uh, that seemed pretty weak. Segovia, someone like ripped a giant Segovia on me, and then I just temporary locked down them, and they were very sad afterwards. <laughs> I uh, mean, oh, nothing- I've seen the burn one. There's a four mana burn one that actually did a lot of work, like three mana, four mana, four damage to your face. That's like that card's actually legitimate good, right? burn. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, actually that, legitimate that- burn, which I somehow missed during spoiler season. So I got I got taken by that one. <laughs> Although like that one I don't think you flip very often. I no. think you just play it like a like a sorcery almost to deal four damage. It's pretty rare that you want to flip it. I will say so far battles, I've been playing a lot of them and I've had a lot of fun with them, but I haven't seen a lot of other people playing battles at this point. So <laughs> I'm sure that I'm the one that's wrong to uh, to play them so much. I will say Invasion Amicat, the the three mana one where you mill and your opponent discards you draw. I have found that one to be pretty sweet in, like, reanimator-style decks where you can, like, fill your graveyard and then you can flip it and, like, get a cheap reanimation out of it. That one's been really good. I still like Invasion of Segovia, although that deck, if you're playing Farewells and so forth, like, your mono white control deck, you're probably going to, like, just crush the deck that's trying to make a bunch of tokens. But I would say so far, battles have had a minimal impact on the on the top tiers of standard. I still think they're fun to brew around. They're still new, so there's time. But we got, like, standard challenge results, Richard, and I was kind of browsing through these, and while there's certainly new cards, uh, there's not a lot of battles that I have noticed. Like, <laughs> the battles are still not, not really showing up. So I guess for now, battles may be a little bit of a, of a flop, or maybe people are still just trying to, like, figure out how to use them. What has been working? The, 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 the first place deck in the challenge this weekend is basically an Atraxa pile. And there's two invasions of Phyrexia. In there. Oh, okay. Okay. So you can okay. draw an extra card off Atraxa is my belief. Like, what else would you do with yeah. this? <laughs> it makes a bunch of bodies. Like, it's, yeah. it's not that bad. Yeah, I guess, like, it does, it does kind of make sense there. So I guess, all right, it's not fair to say battles don't show up at all in the best performing decks but it's a it's a pretty minimal number i think the burn one is the big winner that one is the one that i've probably seen the most from other people uh invasion of oh god what is the name of the what is the name of the burn one there's so many planes i don't <laughs> even know where those of these damage, are of regatha regatha <laughs> Yeah, there's Invasion of Anger of the Gods, Invasion of Explosive Vegetation. That's the, the easiest way to remember these. So I, I got to say, looking at these challenge results, Richard, maybe I was wrong about uh, about the shark. I know last podcast, or maybe it was two podcasts ago, we were talking about Chrome Host Seed Shark. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't think it's very good. You got to pay two to flip your incubates. But that card has probably had one of the biggest impacts, I would say, out of March of the Machines card. It was in one of the challenge winning lists, a Jeskai control list. And it's also showing up in some other lists like that performed well during the challenges. So I guess I was just wrong on that. Have you have you seen that card in practice yet, Richard? Is that something you've run into? No, but I, I have had people resolve Shark Typhoon on me, and I know how that works. So yeah. <laughs> doing it at three mana, I think, is pretty, pretty good. Uh, so the, the Chrome host seed shark showed up in Jeskai control, which took down the other challenge. So it's interesting to me that people have gone Jeskai. Um, I don't know why they want to go Jeskai. Maybe fires of victory. Uh, maybe some of the burn 
is it because people need direct burn to deal with battles? I don't think so. But yeah. <laughs> like, like red seems to be so you you need you need the white for the sweepers, the blue for the shark deluge, red for maybe Ojitai. So this list has a one of Ojitai, Zergo and Ojitai is the finisher, uh, and then just a bunch of burn uh, as removal, or maybe Fable. Maybe Fable's the reason these decks need to go red. Uh, so that's an interesting one because there's a bunch of Jeskai decks that popped up. Uh, various flavors. This one's running Zergo and uh, Seed Shark. The the fourth place deck is basically a Sanctuary Ward and Wandering Emperor deck. Um, yep. It's also Jeskai. Uh, so that that's an interesting development, I, mean, I think. <laughs> Fable is very busted. Like uh, pretty much any standard deck you play, if you can if you can find a way to get Fable the Mirror Breaker in it, your deck is going to perform better. So yeah, it is interesting. I also noticed uh, a mono white deck. I wanted to ask you about this one. Um that was in like top top eight maybe of one of the challenges, but it's splashing red for not only Fable, but a card that I would say is one of the breakout cards from March of the Machines in Italy Primal Conqueror. That's a card I kind of overlooked is like, oh, that's going to be fun in Commander. Like, you play it and you steal a card from everyone's deck. Original Itali never really showed up in Standard, which maybe played into the fact that I thought of it as a Commander card. But I think Itali is actually, like, kind of legit. It's almost like an Atroxa in some ways with the amount of value it generates, but it's an Atroxa that doesn't make you be in four colors. So a deck like Mono White can splash a little red mana, play a Fable the Mirror Breaker, and like just play Itali and have its own Atroxa. Have you seen that, Richard? I know I've been playing some Itali decks, and I feel like Itali kind of crushes Mono White. Like just the amount of value that that gives, I feel like that can overwhelm the like Mono White control decks that have been so good. I'm interested, Seth, because it puts <laughs> things on the battlefield. So as as a mono white deck, I've actually beat multiple resolved attractions because they go to the hand. They're also drawing like a bunch of stuff you may not care about. They they may draw like one removal, you know, one whatever. But Atali just dumps things onto the battlefield, right? Yeah, there's definitely times with Atroxa. Like, I actually think there's an argument for Itali being better than Atroxa, which uh, most people I don't think agree with that. But there's definitely times with Atroxa where you're rooting for your opponent to play her. Like, yes, please tap out, reanimate that Atroxa, and then I'm just going to kill it and swing and kill you. Like, yeah. and Itali gets around that problem because it's giving you random cards, but a random card from your deck and your opponent's deck for free that turn. So a lot of times you're getting another body on the battlefield, you're hitting a removal spell. Decks are so high card quality now that there's not a lot of whiffs. Like, you're not like you're not going to be unhappy with pretty much any card you're hitting in your deck most of the time. Uh, so Itali just offers so much immediate value that it gets around that problem of Atroxa, where Atroxa just sometimes dies. So I think Itali is definitely one of the biggest sleepers that I just, I'm, I wasn't I'm talking about. I haven't heard other people talking about it plus you get fable in your white deck which i mean nice synergy with like sarah paragon filling your graveyard and stuff so maybe maybe give that one a shot i could see you liking that i like what, it other, you, you play surge of salvation still <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes has that card been good are you playing that in in mono white i've played it and i've just used it as blossoming defensive I, i've never got anyone with like the the combat fog oh, blow them out thing yeah, yeah but just as blossoming defense with the ability to do that uh i haven't been invoked despaired uh yet <laughs> so that's that's funny <laughs> right <laughs> it's uh it's definitely good against invoke the other card that is surprised me uh if you look at like the grixis stacks some of the rakdos stacks that have been so popular 
So far, they're mostly unchanged, uh, playing the same old stuff, but a lot of the best performing runs are running a couple of Chandra Hopes beacons, which that caught me by surprise, too. I thought Chandra was good, but I thought it wanted to be in like some sort of spell slinger, kind of like that Jeskai deck, like the Jeskai deck might be able to take advantage of us because you got so many spells to work with it. But it seems like people are just slotting that into straight up Grixis. And I guess like doubling your invoke despair is probably like disgusting and you get to dig for your invoke. Worst case, the negative uh, negative X can kill two things the turn it comes down. So I don't know. Have you seen any of Chandra's? What do you think about Chandra? Is that actually going to be a good standard card? Uh, no, I didn't see. <laughs> I don't know about the double invoke despair, but I remember I really liked this during previous season, right? Yeah, yeah, I think you, you were you high could, on you it during previous double season. removal. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I haven't seen. I played a, like I played a lot of Actos. Um, <laughs> I did not see the, the Chandra yet. So this one, this one's sauce. I mean, if you get double invoked, you are beyond dead. Oh, you're so uh, yeah, <laughs> single invoke <laughs> usually gets you. <laughs> so I, I get it, but I, I was just saying like removal spell and you're good so yeah i, yeah. I, I can see this happening uh, so so anything else uh, stick out to you richard are you playing any new cards in your mono white deck like have you added anything or is it pretty much pre-mom edition El it's mostly pre-mom uh elspeth okay so far hasn't been like back um, it's not i'm not the right deck for it i'm using it to replace five mana elspeth uh, i've seen it on the other side of the battlefield the the permanent jump is actually kind of gross because you can't block flyers. <laughs> Most people don't have like flyers to block with. So once that hits something, so I think Elspeth is good. Gobicon, I I want to try. I don't think it's good in my deck, but uh, Surge of Salvation has been pretty good. Just like to stop people's duresses and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but I think Elspeth is the one I've actually played a lot and it's it's okay in my deck. I don't know. It's still the most mediocre card, I think. Same with Elspeth. The original Elspeth was also the most mediocre card. So I feel like I'm just going to cut them and put Italies in. <laughs> yeah, it seems it seems like Elspeth really wants to be more aggro. Like, yeah. I, I wonder if, like, the more controlling builds of White, maybe not the best. Um, similar to Invasion of Gabacon, a card that's really strong. But I tried Gabacon in kind of like a mid-rangey deck is like my sideboard duress essentially and i was pretty disappointed with it in that context i was like i played against mono white and i took two farewells and they're just like oh, okay i'll just like wait another couple turns and then i'll farewell you and i was like oh that's that's not great well, my, so, my so, opponent hard locked me they were like thalia gobacon like gobacon <laughs> and the thalia deck weird right and then anointed peacekeeper and i'm like i can't cast any of my spells <laughs> And I'm dying like, because this Gamacon flipped and your team keeps getting bigger. And the only out is Farewell, but it costs nine mana. <laughs> so what about the, the most important question, which is how much fun have you been having in the standard format? Like, I think we've kind of been in a spot where standard has generally been pretty good, but very grindy for the last like six months. Is it about the same like fun level up, down? Does it matter? I would say... From my limited experience, it feels exactly the same. So what does that mean? I think the gameplay is very good, but I'm still playing the same stuff. It's still like Fable. <laughs> it's still Wandering <laughs> Emperor. It's still Blood Tithe Harvester. And then since last set, it's still Atraxa. So I don't know. It's the, the same staples and the same play pattern. So maybe the Jeskai deck mixes it up, but uh, it, it hasn't felt exceptionally different. Like, 
Mono Green is still dead. I haven't really seen Mono Green <laughs> make a comeback. Um, but yeah, it's it's still a fable format. Like it's still the same staples being played and like a sprinkling of the new cards. I haven't seen like really like ah, you know, here's this brand new deck that has popped up and changing the whole metagame because the set released. Yeah, I uh, that's kind of how it's been for me, too. I've seen a lot of new cards where people are adding new cards. I've seen some people just trying brand new things, like playing for fun and trying unique strategies. But it seems like so far it's been a lot of slight upgrades to existing archetypes rather than like brand new archetypes. It got me wondering, Richard, is it unfair to consider Kamigawa the like Modern Horizons 2 of standard? Like you can do whatever you want as long as you have like Fable or Wedding Announcement and Reckoner Bank Buster, like a Wandering Emperor. Like if you play the really good Kamigawa cards, there's a ton of diversity, but you really got to play those cards to keep up. <laughs> no, because we still have Shouldred. That's Dominaria. Blood Tithe Harvester is set. Yeah, I will say like maybe that's not fair, but. The format's going to look a lot different after rotation. Like, so many of the cards that we're talking about now, uh, Blood Tithe Harvesters and Bank Busters and Fables, all of those are going to be leaving. Like, a Shieldred sticks around, a Troxa sticks around, but we're going to see the the entire foundation, and that's not even including, like, all the legend stuff, like the Rafine deck loses Rafine, like, Thalia's going to be gone. So we're going to have a brand new standard format after rotation. So I've also really been enjoying the standard format. There are a lot of really long, grindy games, but uh, I'm also getting hyped just to see some of those cards that show up all the time rotating in a, in a few months. But overall, I think standard's in a good place. As far as older formats, ah, we've seen a little bit, a little bit of mom in older formats. In Pioneer, I think the big one is Mono Green Devotion, already one of, if not the best deck in the format, or among the, the best decks in the format. Playing Pelucranos, uh, the top performing versions of it, just jamming like three Pelucranoses, seems pretty good. And then in Modern, Richard, have you seen the Modern results? At all, like you're okay. Nope. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guess. There's there were two, I guess actually three. There were three cards that I saw in the league dump that were four ofs in a five o deck from March of the Machines. It, see, take three guesses. See if you can guess any of them, and I bet you will not guess a single one. Uh, some planeswalker, Chandra. Okay, okay, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> any any other guesses? You just want me to tell you because Surge of Salvation. <laughs> Okay, no, oh, no, no, okay, Globacon, 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 no, actually, no, no, okay, no, okay, here's the, here's the three cards of 5-0 leagues, number one, Shieldred, <laughs> just plain oh, old oh, Shieldred, oh, actually, not I the Apocalypse, that, <laughs> that one shows that. someone 5-0'd with like a Cabal Coffer Shieldred list, okay. and that's actually the, the least weird, I, I can get behind that, yeah, yeah, number yeah. two, Ancient Imperios are, Showing up in a 508 whack deck that's like Shadow Storming and Gleeful Demolitioning to play a turn two Imperiosar. Yeah, yeah. And what? then three, Yargle and Multani in a Jun deck. Jun Yargle and Multani with Kragenwick Cremator to discard the Yargle and Multani for 18, 18 damage. <laughs> Can you make me this Jun deck real quick, Seth? What is this Jun deck? I I will have to I will have to show it to you. It'll let me see if I can find the, it. The eight black <laughs> imperial sword. Magic, magic, magic players are crazy. Who, I, I who actually was thought? playing a ton of pioneer this weekend, and we, I saw Shouldred in the rogues deck, and it did so much work. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> is this Shouldred like not a meme? Like maybe 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 Shouldred's legit here. What uh, what were you playing in pioneer? 
So I was helping my so I was just playing a standard deck. I, I was helping my buddy test for his event. He was playing Azorius. Oh. Uh, and I was playing Rakdos, and I'm like, I'm just playing standard. Like, there's like one new card in my deck that I don't know, which is, <laughs> which is Stomp, right? But and then so I played a bunch of game or matches against them, and then we also played some leagues together. So I saw Pioneer for the first time, and I'm like, this is just standard, people. Like, hmm. this is why right, standard cards can't break into the format. These cards are so powerful <laughs> in every set that they overtake all the old sets, and then. <laughs> Yeah, we were just playing standard plus instead of uh, old standard pass. <laughs> I put I put the Jun list in the in the chat, Richard. See, as a Jun aficionado, how, give us give us a, a letter grade on this on this Jun. There's four goifs. There's four goifs in there. Okay, but there's this, also four Yargle and Multanis. <laughs> this this <laughs> what do you call this abomination here? So there are Tarmogoyfs in here. They're red in sixes. <laughs> I mean, this is this is kind of jund. This Dragon Rage Channeler. Hey, <laughs> Yargles. What? Four Yargles. You gotta get that artifact in the graveyard to grow your your Tarmogoyf, Richard. Actually, so, so what, you empty your hand as you well. You play this four mana thing and you Yargle. Yeah, you play the four mana thing. Craig and White Cremator. It's it's kind of like a weird fling card. When it ETBs, you discard a card at random. If it's a creature, you deal damage to any target equal to the the card's power. So in theory. If you get down to just Yargle and Mutani in hand, you play this, discard Yargle, 18 damage to your opponent's face, like game over on the spot. We've seen decks with Cremator in the distant past before that use like Emrakuls or whatever, other like really high yeah. power creatures to try to discard them. But I guess, I guess Yargle and Mutani, like if you have these power shenanigans, is the best way. That's a single untapped shock land away from lethal or two fetch lands yeah, being cracked. What's the point so of Tarmogoyf in this? <laughs> like, what is the point of Tarmogoyf here? Maybe you just cut the Tarmogoyfs. Yeah, maybe you could and just be more of like a, a full on. That's like, probably the backup deck. plan. Like make people like think you're trying to jund them out, then you just fling the, the Yargle in their face. No. This is No one's gonna expect the Yargle thrown at their face. Like no no one that's Oh wait, I know why this no never expects it. Check out this three of Fable the Mirror Breaker. Uh, Fixes that, everything. <laughs> oh, so so Yargle, I thought it was just for discarding the cremator, but it's actually just for looting away to Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Kind of like Tomer and Hedron Archive. He'll play it if you can discard it to Kozilek or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the abomination oh. that Jund has become. This isn't Zuber yeah. Jund. This is like a next generation uh, now. Now we... This is like Jund. This is like com combo Jund here. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, that is... First impressions of March of the Machine. Richard, any other any other thoughts on where the formats are at before we move on to some other topics? Uh, no, I'm excited to see. It's, all, it's the first week of Standard. No one knows what they're doing. Everyone probably just, like me, played their old deck with like one or two cards added. <laughs> so as yeah. people figure out the metagame and get access to cards and things like that, we should be able to see something happening. I'm, I'm very surprised Jess Guy just popped out of nowhere. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah, me too. I, I know Brotherhood's end or whatever is very strong. Yeah. Uh, especially because it, it's actually a sweeper that gives you game against people trying to do bankbuster stuff on you. Uh, yep. And, you know, it, it kills Segovia if that's a... If, or no, wait, New Phyrexia, <laughs> the, the, the token maker, if that is a thing. And so Segovia, yeah. It's, it's a sweeper that actually gets you uh, value against control decks. So I actually think this red edition might be legit, so... And I'm excited to try Boros. I'm ready to Itali people. I'm done with fair uh, magic sets. We got to end games quickly. Oh, we got to end games quickly. 
Atali is my favorite card to resolve in the standard. Like, just every time I resolve it, I have such a such a good time. Even when it's bad, like, it's still just super fun. And I guess, last thing, it's also important to remember just kind of the mechanics of digital magic. Like, I tried to put together a modern deck and the loan program still wasn't up and running. So some people might have card availability issues on Arena. Cards are pretty expensive. So I think there's a tendency in the first week or two after release that... The, the format's going to be biased towards old decks because that's the cards people already have, uh, the decks people already have the cards for. So I think we'll see more innovation probably as more people get the cards on Arena, as the card rental programs come online for the new cards. So hopefully we see some more innovation there. But all right, I got to ask you about this ridiculous story, Richard. So in the past week, probably the biggest news is that March of the Machine Aftermath, um, the mini set that's coming out, I believe it's May 12th. It's like a, a 50 card follow up to March of the Machines. It's supposed to like show the end of the story. Uh, but this set, the entire set, every single card was leaked, uh, by a guy opening boxes on YouTube. So the guy's story was essentially like, I ordered some boxes from a friend who sells me cards, and I thought I was getting March of the Machines boxes, but actually Aftermath boxes showed up. So I'm going to open them, and we're going to like do videos. And because the set is so small, between, like I think, three box opening videos, uh, the guy opened every single card in the entire set. So this was all over the internet, of course, and Reddit and spoiler sites. So it was a big topic. Everyone knew about the cards. And then, I believe yesterday, uh, the Pinkerton Agency... Showed up at the guy's house, uh, apparently not happy about him having the cards, took all the boxes, gave him Wizards' number. Uh, he talked to Wizards, and I guess his conversation with Wizards, he said, went fine, and they're going to send him some replacement product or something, so that was kind of cool. What do you make of this, Richard? Like, uh, this is one of the biggest leaks we've ever seen, and also one of the weirdest leaks we've ever seen. What what is the Pinkerton Agency? <laughs> so I I didn't know this. So I, I've heard of the Pinkerton Agency because they've been around for like 150 years. And if you ever watch like classic movies from like the 1940s or something, sometimes it'll be mentioned as like, oh, the detective works for the Pinkerton Agency. So I thought it was just like a detective agency. Apparently, they're like a corporate a corporate uh, detective agency that corporations hire, like Amazon hired them to like spy on people trying to make a union or whatever. Like they work for corporations to try to whatever benefit the corporation's interest is what it seems like at this point. And I guess they have a sketchy reputation. There's some deaths tied to them in the past where things get out of hand and there's some sort of whatever. And so their reputation's a little bit, a little bit scary. I would not want the Pinkerton agency based on what I've learned about it in the last day since people, <laughs> since talking about this on social media would not want them showing up at my door. I, I don't think if I could avoid it. So it's, a, it's definitely a level up from like getting a letter from a lawyer, a call from the Watsi attorney. Like this is, this is amped up to some extent compared to what that would be. So like the mob that legit corporations can hire <laughs> to do the dirty work. Basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah, more. I mean, that's, this is what people are telling me on Twitter. Like I said, I only know the name from classic movies, essentially. <laughs> I mean, isn't it scary that they were able to dox this guy and like just show up at his house? And <laughs> yeah, so the, like, how do the they even know where he is or who he is or what country he's in or anything? The story's even weirder if you really get into it. So the guy has like 2,000 subs on YouTube or something, but he posts his P.O. box in his YouTube videos. So oh. some people looked up the P.O. box and it's registered to an LLC 
which means his name is public, is like an officer of this corporation along yeah. with his address. So it's actually like not actually super hidden because of the LLC thing. Uh, the other part that's complicated about all this is his story was basically like, I tried to get some boxes from what sounded like a vendor friend. I was trying to get uh, March of the Machines and they accidentally sent me Aftermath. Like it was just a mistake. But from what I know of them selling magic sets, vendors don't have Aftermath yet. Like I've talked to some people that run actual stores and they're like, we usually get our product after the set spoiled, like pre-release week, like about a week before the actual release date is when we physically will like have product. And this is like three, four weeks ahead of the set release. So I'm not even sure it's possible that someone could just accidentally sell you Aftermath because I don't think anyone accidentally has Aftermath to sell because they're just not there yet. So the whole story is just so... I don't know what to make of it. it like the whole set spoiled, we know that. They got they accidentally got the product from the distributor. <laughs> <laughs> and then they accidentally sent it to the customer when they wanted something else. Um, I mean that could theoretically be possible. Like it has to come from the, the distributors would be the only people that would add, or printers that would actually have the product at this point. So maybe the distributors accidentally sent it to a store and then the store accidentally I guess the boxes do look kind of similar. The they both say March of the Machine on fall. them out the second story window of his house <laughs> after the Pinkerton agency accidentally shows up to his house. I don't know, Seth. These are all... There are many accidents happening in the world today. Yes, there um, there are. <laughs> so so why now? We've had so many leaks before and Watsi was just kind of like, eh, I don't know. Is it because he was so easy to track down or did... Remember like the person that stole the foil sheet or something from the printer or... You know, any one right. of numerous garbage dump scavengers. <laughs> like, why, why did the Pinkerton agency not show up to them? Like, why? This is yeah. interesting. From what I know from past leaks is when there's leaks, uh, people a lot of times will get contacted by, like, Wizards Legal Department. And they'll want to know, like, where where do you get these from? Like, how, you know, what is the source of this? So I've definitely heard of that before. This is the first time I've actually heard about, like, uh, the Pinkerton agency, a detective agency, like, showing up at someone's door, which is a little bit different. Like, so, and I guess we're only hearing one side of the story. We're hearing the guy who opened the boxes and like is telling his side of where he got the boxes and stuff who knows where they actually came from like the reaction from wizards makes me think it has to be sketchier than the public story is because if it's actually like i accidentally got sent these boxes and then they sent the pinkerton agent uh, agency after him that sounds like a huge overreaction right like uh, like that doesn't even make know sense in my mind. Teams. What if they just googled like corporate help? Like <laughs> I, I need, I need someone to track them down. Go to their house. You know, they're like, what's, what's the task rabbit or whatever? Uh, because like, what are going to do if they if they yeah. actually wanted to go thing? It's not like Marvel's going to drive over, like go to the house and ask the guy for the boxes, right? They would hire someone yeah. or have some company show up and yeah. ask questions. So maybe like it's through not fiber. Shape. Maybe the movies have like tainted your perception of the Pinkerton agency. Maybe they're just a clean above board <laughs> detective agency that corporations need to hire for help. <laughs> I mean, wizards had to do something. I, I don't think anyone would debate that. Like they they have to protect their like IP or whatever. And this is like a super early league, so wizards did have to do something. Yeah, I don't know what a. We'll, we'll what see a what story. happens afterwards if he gets a giant fine or you know basically yeah. like legal process occurs like he gets sued or, or something like that then you'll tell 
if like wizards really wanted to crush him or if they just literally sent the Pinkerton agency there to figure <laughs> out like where are these boxes? Let's get the boxes back. Uh, because if it all ends up like nothing comes of it, then you know, it seems like they actually were just someone you hired to go pick up the boxes. I will say it was probably great for uh, the guys YouTube for sure. Like that's a, that's a way to get a lot of people watching and talking about your YouTube. So even like I don't know, I don't know if I, don't know if I want like, random people showing up and uh, aggressively harassing me at my house for some YouTube views, Seth. I don't I don't know about yeah. this. <laughs> I have to question your commitment to the YouTubes, Richard. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so so that's the uh, that's the story of the aftermath leaks. Let us know in the comments what do you make of all this. It's just such a wild. We've seen leaks many times in the past, but usually it's like kind of clear cut where it's like, hey, someone had the God book and they posted it and they shouldn't have. Or, oh, someone walked out of the factory with a sheet of rares from Ixalan. So usually it's kind of cut and dried what happened. This case, who knows what's going on with this one. But speaking of March of the Machines, um, we also found out no, no alchemy for March of the Machines, which when I first heard this, I was like, wow, is it happening? Is Wizards actually giving up on alchemy? But according to the official release from Watsi, uh, it's because of Aftermath. So that's going to serve the purpose of, of, uh, of being the alchemy set, essentially the, the supplemental set. Why don't they just do this more? Wouldn't that be better than alchemy? Like what, uh, what, what if instead of alchemy, what if they just did a like 30, 50 card supplemental set that they actually printed in paper and was legal and standard? Isn't that the win-win? Like they get the money from selling the cards, but they can also sell them to commander players and modern players and standard gets an extra shakeup with this mini set. Like Hearthstone has done in the past. Hearthstone has done like mini sets in between sets. Maybe that's a way to keep standard fresh. I don't want new products, Seth. Please make, <laughs> make the product stop. <laughs> I mean, that is that I, is I, the alchemy, downside. Alchemy was not fixing standard, really, was it? It's more selling cards. new digital only <laughs> mechanics. Which yeah. So are, are they not adding alchemy aftermath? Just aftermath plane. Just aftermath plane by the sounds like okay. It, so no, like no yeah. new digital only cards, including you no. Know, alongside the uh, the aftermath cards basically they're spending their time that they would have spent programming in alchemy uh march of the machines alchemy to program in this uh aftermath set instead is what it sounds like that so. sounds like the first step to ditching alchemy to me <laughs> like, like that that sounds like a, a an excuse because they, they they would be making aftermath no matter what but after we've seen them kind of scale back on alchemy like now the previews are done by just like a single thing <laughs> um I, I think alchemy is on its way out. This is how I would see it because there's no reason they wouldn't just add alchemy cards to Aftermath. Like I thought that's what the original announcement was, that it's it's releasing alongside that. Um, but maybe yeah. this is their test that no one actually cares and we'll just switch back to, to standard. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really hoping that Aftermath succeeds just because I, I like the idea. I, I guess you get the same downside of it being more cards that you have to buy to like keep up with the format. So you still have some of the, the cost issues, but I like the idea of keeping standard fresh. I'm a little, I realize we don't get rotation to like September and it's only April. Like we have a really long gap between standard sets. So something to help standard stay fresh seems, uh, seems decent. So Richard, I got a I got a couple of questions for you. These are these are questions that I guess we overlook sometimes because there's just like this common knowledge that everyone accepts, but we never actually talk it through. And I've had some people ask me this. So Ragavan, 
Uh, everyone knows and loves the stupid monkey, recently added to Arena. So there's a whole new crowd that has never played Modern and never had to deal with uh, Ragavan. And I've gotten this question a few times, and it got posted on Reddit this week, too. And the question is pretty simple. Seems like everyone knows except me, so here it is. Why is Ragavan so strong? And I had a conversation with someone on Twitter that was like, I opened this Ragavan in my draft, and it was bad. Like, I don't understand why everyone's, like, freaking out about it. Like, my opponent just played a Grizzly Bears and traded with it. Why is everyone, like, freaking out? So, Richard, why is Ragavan so strong? <laughs> like, what actually makes this card as good as it is? Uh, it's a pirate. Uh, pirates are very <laughs> yes. strong. Uh, it's a one mana two one, which is very good. People play one mana two ones like just like vanilla stat wise. Uh, the biggest reason I think it's really good is it makes the treasure. Uh, so having yep. access to one additional mana every turn is a very strong thing. And not only that, but you can like save the mana. So you can like hit them, keep the treasure, hit them again, have two treasures. So the following turn you like double ramped. Uh, the card advantage is okay. I think people overrate that. A lot of times you don't play the cards you're getting off the opponent's deck because it, it doesn't match what your deck is doing. But in the right matchups, it can be very strong. Like if you can get removal off them or something like that, you can play it. And then for some reason, it has another ability, which is dash. So normally, when, when you play these like one mana, two ones, in the late game, they kind of suck because you, you draw them off the top of your deck. And then it's just a 2-1, so the stats aren't impressive. But it's also, you have to wait a turn because it's summoning sick. With dash, you can just throw it onto the battlefield. Uh, so it gets haste, essentially. It can hit someone. Uh, and then when you hit them, you get the treasure, which may not be as important now. But then you get the card in the late game, which could be important if you're running out of cards. And then there's also lines you can take where if you think your opponent has sorcery speed removal, you just keep dashing the monkey every oh. turn instead of casting it. Uh, all of this is like a one mana two one. So like if any of these modes fail, it doesn't matter. Like the, the rest of the card is very strong. And if you don't remove it on turn one, you basically lose the game. So th there's like a, you know, 25% chance of just auto winning the game because your opponents, you know, hand in line up to deal with the monkey. Uh, so all of those combined make it an extremely strong threat. Uh, it's it's not as strong in, say, like, Limited or something, because you don't get four of them. Uh, you know, decks, people are playing a lot more creatures in Limited. It's harder to hit the monkey, <laughs> you know, get a hit yeah. in with the monkey. Uh, you know, cards are not as, as streamlined in, in, in Limited, so it's not as strong in Limited, but... Uh, and if you still don't believe it, just play enough modern and you'll see enough monkeys. <laughs> and, and you'll see that if you don't remove it, like, the game goes really bad for you really quickly. Uh so that, that, I, that's the, that's my thoughts as to why this thing is, uh, gross. I think, I think you actually really covered pretty much everything. I think when you think about it, as you mentioned, like its floor is a Savannah Lions. A two, one for one is already like an on rate card. And then all those words you said after that of all these abilities and all the things it does, that's kind of a bonus. Like you're already having this good base rate. And the upside is. This is a Savannah Lions that it literally wins the game if it goes unchecked. I think if you get hit twice by a Ragavan, you are very, very likely to lose the game. Like, even getting hit by it once is really bad in a format like Modern. If you hit by it more than once, it's going to just snowball to a victory all by itself. I got to wonder, like, the way this has made an impact on Arena, since it's banned in Historic, is specifically Historic Brawl. The more I haven't I haven't built a Ragavan deck in Historic Brawl deck uh, yet. That should probably be banned, right? Isn't the play pattern of like 
In a 1v1 commander format, Ragavan starting in your command zone, coming down on turn one every single turn, isn't that kind of problematic? Like, it feels like either either it's going to force decks to overload on super efficient removal to have a chance at stopping Ragavan, or it's just going to win the game. Like, I don't know. What do you think about Ragavan in like a 1v1 commander slash brawl format? To me, that actually seems like a, a card that would be a problem. Wait, can you use... I thought, so Brawl is Planeswalkers or Creatures, right? Yeah, Planeswalkers okay. or Legends, yeah. Uh, so the problem is you have to play red. <laughs> so You right? do have if to, you, you gotta be mono red. It is, so it is red a good deck. But yes, otherwise you always get turn one, they, like they always have, why? Because it's in the command zone. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't know. If, if, if red is good, then monkey will be very good. If red is bad, then sure you got the monkey, but now you're playing red. Uh, so it kind of <laughs> depends on what the historic Brawl metagame looks like i guess i guess that's true red i don't think is like the strongest color so maybe it's fine that it has although the play pattern still just seems unfun i guess yeah. probably what'll happen is it'll get lumped into like the the broken commander bucket where they like have certain commanders that are so good that the, you won't play against them if you're playing janky decks like golos is on there i know they unbanned it but it doesn't get played against unless you're also playing a deck that they deem to be one of the strongest decks so my guess is they end up putting it in that bucket just because people are going to complain about it but also it's not uh, fun so people may not no. play it in historic brawl that's that's also like, true. Like it, like it, it may be good, but like this is not exceptionally exciting <laughs> if you're the if you're the Ragavan player. So people may not play it, even though it, it could be good. And there's not really an incentive to like try hard in historic brawl. There's no leagues. Yeah. There's no prizes. So it's just like like commander kind of. You're trying to do cool things. So maybe that'll also help keep it in check. All right. Question number two, Richard. We're heading to standard, and this is one that I struggled with for a while. It took me a minute to figure out how to play against this card. Okay, short of countering it, how do you play around in Invoke Despair? I lose to this card more than any other. So no Surge of Salvation, no Negates. Like, if you don't have those cards, how do you minimize the damage? I think this is very relevant because Invoke is one of the most heavily played cards in Standard. Richard, how do you how do you manage an Invoke when you're playing Standard? Playing <laughs> against an Invoke. You play more stuff. So Wandering Emperor is kind of is kind of good here because what you do is you throw the Emperor in, you make a token. So the token is the creature. The Emperor is also the the Planeswalker fodder, and then <laughs> protecting your real fodder. And then you lose an enchantment or don't have an enchantment, they draw a card. Um, so you go wide essentially. Uh, so that you, what you don't do is have like one Planeswalker that you need to win the game with and one creature that you need to win the game with. Then you're dead. But if you play an aggro deck, let's say you have 10 creatures or something. That 10 is a lot. Let's say you have four creatures. Uh, <laughs> you lose one of them. Your opponent goes five mana, draw two, remove like a dirty creature, and then you just untap and swing to kill them. Uh, so going wide with creatures matters because like five mana, draw three is not actually that good unless you're going long. Uh, so the, the way to do it is to aggro them to, to punish them for taking turn five off by doing this. Uh, other ways is your opponent loses to themselves. It's quad black. People played in Grixis decks. <laughs> right? So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they can't cast it. Uh, so, you know, again, be aggressive, right? So close out the game before they can get, you know, fix their mana to be able to cast this thing. Uh, and... But, Surge of Salvation? I would add, like... Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, if you know, hard countering it, obviously. Surge of Salvation's great, or just, like, negate or make disappear deals with it. I would also add, like, 
think about the possibility of Invoke coming down. That's the thing that at first I would just like not think it through. But eventually I realized like on turn three, sometimes you need to like plain enchantment to get that on the battlefield to have it to sacrifice or uh, like you said uh, wandering emperor is another great one because it adds a creature and a body to the battlefield fable the mirror breaker uh, also a creature and an enchantment to sacrifice so sometimes you got to think through like maybe i ossify their token rather than an actual thing because they're probably going to invoke and then they're going to get it back anyway like in the ossify ossification will give me an enchantment to zack so i think it's it's partly being aware of it and trying to get out Outside of just being aggro and killing them and punishing them for taking five mana to cast and invoke, I think it's just like trying to manage the board in a way where you have the not super impactful stuff to actually sacrifice. Richard, do you think this card's too good for standard? I know there's been like a lot of complaints about it. Like, do you, is its power level too high? And I remember when this came out, I thought it was like bad too. I'm pretty sure I, I called this like a, a not good card. So, oops. I, I think if you were really scared you would just play a counter spell and then yeah this is like the saddest thing someone like five mm -hmm. mana and then you it gets countered by a two mana or a one mana spell then they probably lose on the spot i i think what no one really expected was people playing this in three color decks people like you know oh you play mono black but it's limited by how strong mono black is but you know people do play it in grixis decks um yeah, I know. Yeah. I, know. I think it's a feels bad if you don't know it's coming, but it's not like unbeatable or anything. I I think you can play around it. Just don't, like I said, don't play like a single enchantment that you need, a single planeswalker that you need. It's like playing against Liliana, uh, which I guess you theoretically could have learned about in Standard this year, but not really. But like you don't play like the one massive threat, right? You have to play the token first to protect and then you play your massive threats uh so as long as you know this is coming you can protect now of course you may not have that many enchantments to to play or many planeswalkers play that's why you got to do it at the deck building stage you got to know that yeah. despair is coming and you got to know that hey you know if i play wedding announcement it's going to die to invoke despair so i need to have a plan for that or don't care about that uh, but wedding announcement yeah. helps because it, it is the enchantment and it is the creature as well so it's just anything yeah. that dumps a lot of stuff on the battlefield. And that helps protect your more important stuff, too. Having the token to sacrifice so you're not losing your Sanctuary Warden or whatever your Shield Rid, whatever your biggest threat is. Like, that that also plays into it. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's a problematic card. If anything is, like, too strong, it's probably Fable of the Mirror Breaker. I've been playing a ton of Standard since the new set released, and... I've come to realize, like, play draw is such a huge deal with Fable. There's games, if you don't go first, where your opponent plays the the Fable on turn three, and it feels like you just lose the game on the spot. Maybe it's maybe it's a deck-building issue where, like, you should have an answer for it, or, like, at least an answer for half of it, but, boy, that card can... That card can take over a game. It's almost like standard Ragavan. I think it's the closest thing you can get. It's a little slower, it's three mana, but it still has that power as, like, one card that can just take over the game by itself. Anyway, that's, that's the new scale, Seth. Standard yeah. Ragavan. The Ragavans. <laughs> Oko was just Ragavan for all formats. <laughs> we should use the Oko scale, actually. Is Ragavan yeah. just Oko? <laughs> eh, basically. <laughs> oh, all right. Last last topic. This came up on Mark Rosewater's blog, and then we'll hit a fish mail. Um, there was a question, Mark Rosewater. The suggested Wizards was not designing enough cards for 60-card format, Standard and Pioneer, because everything's designed for Draft and then Commander. 
And Mark Rosewater basically said, we design a lot of cards for those formats. Those formats are really important to us. What do you think, Richard? This is something we've talked about before. Like, how many cards are designed for Commander? Do you feel like 60-card formats are are not getting enough love? Or is there a way to... A card like Shieldred, for example, kind of goes both ways. Like, it's a Commander card, but also a Standard card. What do you think? Does the 60-card formats get enough support at this point? I would say no. I'm trying to think of it being dramatic, but it's not like Wizards just started printing like more Commander products. They they've actually taken like your, you know, four standard sets a year, and replaced like a third of the Mythics and Rares with cards designed for Commander, and then once in a while that designed for Commander card works in Standard, <laughs> so like Atraxa or something, right? Or like, um, you know, take extra turn spells, you know, Nexus of Fate or something. But so Commander has gotten more products for it. Commander has eaten up reprint slots in, say, uh, modern um, Masters and things like that. Even Modern Horizons has some stuff in there. But especially Standard, since there's only four sets a year. They, they've definitely taken chunks of Standard. And they've also made cards undesirable. Like, everything is legendary now. It really hurts Standard when you can't play four of a card because... If you already have it on the battlefield, you can't cast it anymore. Uh, so, and then it also hurts that it breaks the color pie. So they keep printing cards so that the color pie is fixed in Commander, but we don't really need that in Standard. Uh, but what that allows you to do is like play different color combinations and three color stuff and stuff like that. So I, I think there's definitely an effect on Standard. Is it appropriate? Probably, because Commander makes all the money, so, you know, why not make it? But, like, before they were standard sets, and at some point, they started calling them, oh, what are they Premier sets, yeah. Premier sets or something, and, you know, but in the in the history of Magic, like, nothing, it's always been, like, 100% standard. And at some point, it's it's shifted to standard slash Commander. The, the worst offender are the set boosters, where you just get random <laughs> Commander cards that are not legal at all in standard. So if you yeah. are a standard only player and you want, you know, blinged up versions of your cards, you buy a set booster and you're like, look, I have cards I can't even play anymore. Uh, so that's weird. So I don't know what who Marl's trying to trick here. I think it's pretty clear. Now, maybe it's okay, though, because how many standard players are there compared to commander players? And maybe that number's not uh, that big. So this is the correct way to do it. But. I would like to yeah. see. I would like to see a new supplemental product focused on only sixty card <laughs> formats. <laughs> standard, standard masters, standard masters coming soon. <laughs> standard horizons, standard horizons. Uh, that's what we need. We need standard horizons, Seth. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's definitely true. The things you pointed out, like yes, more is focused on commander now. That's for sure. There are ways. I think clearly, standard has been made worse by that. I think the the endless legends is the clearest example where legends are just like, I know discounting Joda or whatever. Like, there's been legendary tribal support, but discounting that legends are like strictly worse in standard compared to non legendary creatures. At the same time, like there still are. <laughs> There still are cards that are pretty clearly designed to be to be standardy to some extent. They're just mixed in with more commander cards these days. So if the take is like Wizards doesn't print 60 card format cards, period, 
I would disagree with that. On the other hand, it's certainly true that there's a lot of commander cards mixed into the standard set these days. And I think that's a that's a shift because traditionally for the first 25 years of Magic, standard sets were only about standard. Uh, and we'd kind of meme on like, oh, that's a commander card or whatever when, a, when some 8-drop showed up uh, in a set. So I think there's certainly been a change, but I don't know if I think it's a... Like, I hope 60-card formats continue to get more support, but also, like, Commander is deserving of support because it's so popular. So I can understand why we're here. And I think this might be one of those things where Wizards goes too far one direction and then, like, finds the middle eventually. We've seen that many times in the past where there's a change and they go full force towards this new thing, and then they pull it back, and then we end up in a pretty good spot. So hopefully... Hopefully they'll pull back a little bit and find a a way to make everyone happy as far as 60 card formats versus commanders. So anyway, Richard, I think those are all of our topics. Do we have any fish mail this week? All right. If you have questions, send to at MTGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail and we'll get to your questions on air. Some guy on Twitter, what notorious not a healthy play pattern deck would stand up in the modern meta? Uh, KCI, Clark Clank, Ironworks, Lantern Control, Dredge, Hogak. <laughs> no, Hogak, I think, would Hogak, be number Hogak. one on that list. Yeah, like, Dredge is still around, and it doesn't stand up. You have to unban card. Like, all these decks are, well, except for KCI, but Lantern Control is around, theoretically. Like, if you it unban is. Mox Opal just for this deck, would it be good? <laughs> I mean, people still play Lantern. For some reason, whenever I play Lantern, I actually have success with it. I feel like it's almost like, I don't know, I I think it's, yeah, better than people give it credit for. Like, people think, oh, Beseju's around now, and, like, Karn's around now, so it just absolutely wrecks it. But I don't think that's necessarily true. Like, I think it still can do its thing, although it's definitely not as good as it was at its peak, like, when it was really good. I think Hogak would still be broken. Like, I think, I I guess it depends on how much you unban, too. Like, if you unban all the rituals, Storm is probably the best deck in modern. Like, I think if you just unban all the rituals and cantrips, Storm would be so good. No? I don't know. Would it? Yeah. We still need to land an Electromancer. And we, and we have I mean, the free counter spells now. I guess that's true. And the There's clock is much faster. So you, you don't have like that slow setup. Like if you're like Storm in, in days past, like you could set up like a very nice hand because your opponent couldn't kill you fast enough um, to make sure hmm. like when you storm off, you win. So, like, Wait, if we, so you think Storm it, would still be bad? I'm Maybe not sure about would. that, but I, I don't think it's given that it's good because it, the fundamental problem is you got to land the Electromancer still. And the, the other problem is other people are killing you quite quickly. Like, is, is the Ponder really going to fix Storm if we just add Ponder here? Like, that's... that's no, are, we, are we adding like, the fast mana? All of it? <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends on how much how much you add. There's actually... I don't know if you saw this. It was, it was actually pretty interesting. A couple of weeks ago, uh, LSB and Reed Duke did a video where they... Uh, where they played no banlist modern and it was actually pretty pretty interesting to see uh, the gameplay was fine like but it was really interesting to see what decks that they brought and the decks that they brought were like very fast mana heavy like mox opal and chrome mox were the cards that were all over the place if you actually cleared the cleared the banlist so maybe that's the kind of degeneracy that would rise to the top if everything was on the if everything was on the table 
So Landry Control can play both of those. <laughs> Landry can play them both. Can play them both, yeah. <laughs> I mean, anything fast mana related, I think, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Is Landry Control not healthy as well? <laughs> I mean, Landry gets a... I like Landry. Landry gets a bad rap. Like, it's just a control deck. But people get especially salty because it controls something different than most control decks by controlling the top of your library rather than your battlefield. Like, but really, for all intents and purposes, is it any different than playing against like blue white Drago Crim Dot deck? Like, not because really. They Krim they just kill everything on the battlefield. In there. <laughs> I mean, Lantern mails you out. It's like it's like the failure. How do they actually yard. kill you? Do they, is it they loop spell bombs or something? How do they actually kill I don't remember anymore. How, they how actually mail you. They actually like, mail you. Like just naturally? With just like the Well, like their mana rocks the, like the tap to mill a card. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like they control slow. it. I think it is not quick, yeah. <laughs> Although no, I will say the last time I played Lantern you have Urza Saga now, which you want to get your lanterns and so forth. Yeah. But you can also just make like huge constructs. So but it did speed but up you the have finish. A but you, bridge, so you can't attack with them. <laughs> yeah, you got to blow up your own bridge sometimes. But still, in theory, the constructs could <laughs> could speed up the clock. <laughs> hmm. All right, Sebi DC three two four four. What is each of your rules for building your casual commander decks? Removal, Wraths, Ramp, Card Draws. Super curious to hear how Krim answers this. Well, Krim is not here. Aw, there's <laughs> no Krim here today. I got to ask you, Richard, do you have a, like, checklist that you go through? Because I know Tomer has, like, a very black and white checklist where he's like, I want three of these and ten of these. I never really build decks that way. Like, I have rough ideas. Like, oh, I need, like, at least ten ramp spells or something. But I don't really have a hard and fast list the way that Tomer does. I'm sure I might have something, but it's kind of complicated depending on what I'm building. <laughs> so, like the the jankier my deck, the like or the, the the level of jank my deck is will skew like how much removal and wrath and card draw that I need. Like the jankier my deck, the less removal is there because like I need to assemble this six card combo. I, I don't have time, <laughs> you know. I don't have deck slots to be playing. A lot of interaction or things like that or you know if my deck is a good stuff deck like i i can win with a single card then you know i will have more um more interaction same with like how how combo heavy am i if i'm an actual five card combo deck i need a lot of card draw to get it in so i think it all depends and then when i think casual or not i really just think of the theme of my deck um and then there's obviously cards i don't play if it's casual but you know, if, if I say I'm building Kithkin Tribal, it, it kind of caps my power level at a very specific point. So that takes care of it. Like, no matter what I add to my deck, it can't be that oppressive as long as it's like roughly in theme. So usually I don't think that much about that. And, and also yeah. casual doesn't, I don't know what casual means. <laughs> so it, it also, that, like, that's also a big problem. Like if someone asks you like, what well, is your deck casual? I'm like. Right, it's so like, it's like the number scale. Who knows? Like everyone has stacks because like, no one knows. You know, how fast is your combo? Uh, but I don't know because we, we normally just build casual decks. So it's not that much of a, a difference for us. Yeah, I know for me, I'm usually like there's some things I try to keep constant. Like I, I want around 50 sources of mana in my deck just to be able to function. So I think like there's stuff like that that I try to keep in mind, but then there's a lot of variance beyond that. And I think like 
one thing I've noticed is even with thematic decks, you still got to have the stuff that makes your deck function. So a lot of times, even if there's a theme, there's going to be 10 or 15 slots that are just dedicated to cards that I need to have a fun game of Commander, like some card draw effects, some removal. Uh, so not every, and I'm sure you're into this with like Kithkin or whatever. You still play Secret Rendezvous, right? Or whatever. Like it's not a Kithkin. It doesn't do anything specifically with the tribe, but you need to draw your Kithkin sometime or you're going to play a Wrath because sometimes you need to like slow down the game so you can actually do things with your Kithkin. So one thing I've noticed sometimes with viewer submitted decks is people get like, go so hard on the theme that the deck stops functioning. And I think that actually leads to like you having less fun and the rest of the table having less fun unless everyone's doing that. We also have like alphabet week where every card has to start with like a letter or something. And though if you're going super hard on a theme in that way, I guess that makes sense. But in general, I think you you want to you want to build a functional deck even if you're trying to build around a certain tribe or theme, I think. I agree with that. I, I think your deck needs to be functional before the theme. So I I, I would support Guild of Guin. Uh, <laughs> but I, I definitely exactly. support secret rendezvous and stuff like that just sometimes you have the option of using it on theme version of it then i would use that but if you don't like if you don't cast your spells your theme may be great but no one will see anything and you will die <laughs> right so like it's exactly. kind of useless or like if you don't wrath the board you're never going to attack and then no one will see how cool this deck is so your deck needs to be somewhat functioning um but then, you know, don't go crazy and be like, well, you know, it has to function. So let me just hard lock the board with like <laughs> these four cards and then I'll just play my dirtly stuff, right? But yeah. <laughs> there's a balance there. But I think you're right. People do skew too much on like 100% flavor and then the deck just literally does not function. Uh, and if you yeah. think about it this way, if you just cast card draw spells, you can show more of your flavor cards. Because you actually yeah, you'll, them, you can cast them. <laughs> you'll play more of them eventually, yeah. yeah. No, so that's, I think that's something. And like you said, there's times when you find the on-flavor thing that also fills one of the roles, and that's the dream, when you have a on-theme card draw spell or whatever. Like, that's that happens on occasion. And I think it's going to happen more frequently as Wizards keeps printing more and more commander cards. We keep seeing, like, RAS for specific tribes, specific archetypes. So I think you're going to be able to do that more in the future. But, yeah, function, function beats theme, uh, at least to some extent. Without the baseline functionality your theme is is kind of worthless so all right so that's all the fish meal we have for this week thank you to everyone sent in questions if you have future questions send them to the hashtag mdg fish mail and we'll get to your questions on air and I believe that brings us to the end of episode 430 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have a spectacular week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out. Bye.